Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And today I'm with a really cool friend of mine who I've known for a long time. We'll just leave it at that. Steve D'Angelo um, has been a CEO, SVP of sales, president, every executive role you can imagine in the software world. He, he resides in New Jersey, travels all over the planet. <laughs> and the stories that I've had with Steve over the years have been nothing short of incredible. Most recently, Steve published a book, and it's something he'd been wanting to do for decades and finally came around to doing it. It's called The Single Day of Peace, and it became a bestseller on Amazon, and I'm just thrilled to have Steve here with me on the show today to dig into that and, and have a lot of fun. So, Steve, welcome. Thanks for being here. Chad, thank you. Always great to talk to you. Great to see you. Great to be part of what you do, and very happy to be here with your podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, the last time we hung out was over a Christmas, probably two years ago in New York City and, and shared a good meal at a place that Steve and his family goes all the time. And uh, a lot's changed over the last couple of years. So good. Yeah, it's, so, it's so true. And actually, it's my daughter's birthday this weekend. So going back into the city, having dinner like the old times, so to speak, before COVID and uh, starting to re-experience New York. So I'm looking forward to that. Ah, uh, that's exciting. Well, let's, before we get to the present, I like to go deep into the past because a lot of who we are as a human being uh, happens when we're younger, right? We don't have the filters of the world on yet. Yeah. So take us back to Steve D'Angelo circa five, six years old. You know, what was your thing? You know, did you know you were going to be a famous sales leader uh, back in those days? In, you know, it's, it's funny, obviously not. But a couple things happened in my life early on. So <clears throat> first thing, I was I was into sports, five, six, seven, eight years old, very young. I was into sports. I was into baseball, was my favorite, but I played basketball, played football. I was definitely very competitive. We played street sports with all the neighbors, very competitive. From a sales side, I guess I was like eight or nine. And I remember my sister, you know, she were, she she was in these clubs and she had to sell candy. My brother was in like the Boy Scouts. He had to sell candy and they kept giving it to me to go door to door to go sell the stuff. And I would sell all their candy door to door. I, I had this knack of being happy to ask somebody for their money and, and provide them, you know, a good value in a product or candy. So um, 
it's interesting that I did that early on. And then fast forward a little bit into high school, we took these aptitude tests of some sort where I, it basically gave you guidance as to what most likely you would be when you grew up. And um, mine was in the sales profession. So who knew? But uh, that's kind of the way it worked out. And um, yeah, and I'm very happy that it did, did work out that way because it's been a great profession, a lot of fun, and certainly financially rewarding. Well, we never had that talk because the first sales I did was suckers on the bus going to school and we'd buy a gross of them, 144. Right. And the, the hack that I learned, I've always been a sales hack, you know. And so the hack I learned is when you're down to your last one or two, you can charge a dollar instead of a quarter. So the scarcity, I started learning, well, maybe I should keep back four instead of just one because right. I get a dollar for the last four. <laughs> See, yep, that was your sales hack back then. Very good. That was my sales hack back in the day. So yeah. this is a brand new question for the show. Okay. And it just, this is, you're the first. So it's rewind back to the person you were then and you're now talking to yourself today. And what would you say to yourself? Like, hey, Steve, you're doing pretty good. I wish you'd do a little more of this and a little less of that. Is there anything hmm. that's a gap from when you thought you were a kid to what you thought you'd be doing today? Is there a gap there or is it right on point? I don't think there's much of a gap. Um, I learned to set goals early in life. It certainly wasn't when I was five, six, seven, eight. But, you know, early in life, I learned to set goals and <clears throat> set set a lot of big goals and being driven. And um, I'm, I'm still doing that. I think my younger self, as much as I loved baseball, would have said, you still should be playing some more baseball, but I haven't played baseball in a long time. But maybe my younger self would say, you know, you're working really a lot still. You're, you're my initiative with my book, my consulting I do in the business world. Maybe you ought to chill a little bit and, uh, and smell the roses. Maybe my younger self would tell me a little bit to do that. And maybe that's really what my inside is telling me to do. But a lot of good stuff is going on. So, um, you know, stay in the course. But maybe that that's what kind of the, the youthful me may, may be saying to me. Wow. See, I think that was a good God question that came in there. So yeah. amazing. Um, all right. So let's now we're fast forwarding the tape a little bit. Now you're in your kind of middle teenage years, whenever. When did you experience a, the buzzsaw of life, right? We all hit it probably more than once, but those moments that you're comfortable sharing, obviously, um, what was the buzzsaw for you? Yeah, yeah, and I, it actually asked the question, and if my teenage years, it, it was an easy one for me to answer. So when I was in grade school, I'll tell you a little quick story. When I was in grade school, my brother, who was in eighth grade, older brother, came down with brain cancer. So he had a brain surgery when he was in eighth grade. Fast forward, you know, he does okay, goes through high school, goes through college, it comes back. Lo and behold, I'm 16, he passes away. So watching his illness through that period when it, when it reoccurred, he fell into a coma for a month. They didn't think he'd come out of the coma. He did come out of the coma, but he came out blind and we had to take care of him. So that whole period, which was obviously very difficult on my parents, as it pertained to my sister and I, and as it pertained to me, it, it was a challenging time. And um, and it's interesting, my, my brother was extremely religious and he had all the faith in the world, candidly, that he was gonna get well. 
and we all knew, you know, we were we were praying the other way. God, he suffered enough in his in his short life here. Take him with you. Let him go to paradise rather than continue to struggle and and have seizures and be blind and can't can't walk too well on his own. All those kinds of things. So, I got that curveball early in life, and um, in a crazy way, Chad, it it was kind of a positive experience in that. You know, I remember when he passed away, and I, I actually talk about this in my book, not as me, but the character I wrote about in my book, A Single Day of Peace, if you recall reading this part, uh, the character says, I remember when I was in the funeral home with my brother in the coffin there, everybody, the wake, everybody was coming, friends and family were, were bringing us love and, and trying to give us some good spirits. And I remember looking at him and saying, I know he's not there. That energy, that spirit that was in him is somewhere else. So it was almost like an awareness to me that there is life after death, that there is another place, because I knew that wasn't him. That was his body, no question, but that wasn't his essence. So for me, I accepted death early on. I understand it. I kind of look forward to it for myself, not that I'm in a rush, but I do believe in the afterlife. So while I had a buzzsaw early in life, it was a it was more of a positive thing for me. That's really neat. Um... Recently, this year, three traumas, the most recent, September 23rd, when COVID could have taken me to the other side. And I was like, God, if it's my time, then, hey, check me out. But right. I'm like, I'm working for you 70%. I'm about to be 100. Uh, don't you want me to stay here a little longer? And at that moment, I realized, whoa, if I'm ready to hand the keys to my wife for eternity, then she must be pretty pretty something else, right? Right, like, right. Wow, the kids' kids and the kids' kids' kids. Like, that's a lot of responsibility. So that was a really neat moment. And to your point, everybody I have on this podcast, we're close to 100 now. Wow. The treasures come from the traumas because it's like if you just look, it's dark, and all it takes is a little bit of light, and you see God in those moments where you're like, whoa, that's, that's a big takeaway. So I had – so about two weeks after the – uh, COVID trauma, I literally said, God, could you come to my room tonight? I've never really prayed for that. And just, mm. you know, even if it's just for a minute, I remember thinking that going to bed an hour later, I'm sitting up and it was like a Bose headset and just pure calmness. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. I could do this. And I'm like, this was just like, I thought heaven would be awesome. Thanks God. And I'm like, okay. You know, like Santa Claus, I was like, Hey, you probably better go take care of the other kids. Now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, then the next day he corrected me because all I asked for was God come to my room. And so I'm like, well, that's eternity. So you'll appreciate this with your brother's story. The next day at 4am, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm running in a garden chasing my wife. We're on kids bodies with our normal heads, but smoother faces. Right. And that was cool chasing her. But the best part was, who's that other kid over there? And I was like, whoa, that means there's a whole other world with everybody that's there. I literally, for my whole life, up until a month ago, there was a 98% chance that it was the Bose headset and everything just, poof, the tunnel of tunnels over. It was all cool while we had heaven on earth. Right. And because of that visit, I've, I've changed my mind about eternity. Wow. So, <laughs> Very awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's a long time, eternity. Eternity is a long time. We better do our part. Optimize for eternity. So, very neat. Okay, so um, tell me about, and this might be the same story, but there's probably another one. When did God undeniably show up for you in in your life? Yeah, so 
You know, I, I would say there's actually a few things I can point out. That certainly is kind of one of them, the awareness that I got just in my perspective of, of, of death, if you will. Um, I would say one, one time as, as a kid, as a young adult, I think you know this about me, but um, when I was 17, baseball again, I'm very much into baseball. I was a decent player. Uh, I Real quick story, I go to a New York Yankees game, big Yankee fan, uh, in August in 1979, and I happen to notice the ball boys are like older kids my age. I always thought they were like eight, nine-year-old kids, and I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, wow, that would be a great job to have. So I often say this is my first big sale I ever made. The next Monday, I decide to call New York Yankees, executive offices, who's in charge of hiring. It's the stadium manager, Pat Kelly. I call him, talk to his assistant, work my way in to get an interview. They interview me. I, I, I get coaching from the assistant to... Uh, to like send in reference letters, I do that, and literally prayed probably 20 times a day to God to please help me get this job. This would be the best job in the world. And and the day before opening day, they never told me if I did get it or didn't get it. But of course, I called them every week, asked them, did I get the job? Well, we haven't made a decision yet. They got a job, <laughs> haven't made a decision yet. The, the day before, two days before opening day, I said, obviously I didn't get the job but they didn't tell me. They got have to give me the no. So I call them and they tell me that I got the job. And I, could I come in the next day to get my uniform, go into the clubhouse, get ready, practice with the players. And I'm like, holy cow, I got this job. And I often say, two people got tired of hearing from me. God, because I kept praying over and over. And Pat Kelly's office got tired of hearing from me calling him. So there's no question um, that that intervention, I believe I got intervention from a higher power. And I'll share this with you and your audience. I did it for two years in every game. I was at every home game for two years and I was in some of the away games, made it to the World Series and all. So it was great experience. Every game for the national anthem, I would say a prayer, thanking God for giving me this opportunity to be on this field and, be, and have this job. So I'd say that's one example great experience. Um, another example is actually around 9-11. So um, on the morning of 9-11, I had a flight, uh, Continental Airlines at the time, from Newark to uh, San Francisco. And I was president of IMI at the time, Industry Mathematique, it was a software company. And I was running very late. And I called my assistant and I said to my assistant, hey, listen, I'm probably going to miss this flight. My, my associate, Al Cook is going to be on the flight. Call him. If I miss it, tell him I'll get the next one. What's the next flight? Can you book me on the next one? She calls me back and she says, I told Al, he's on the, he's there. If you miss it, there's a United flight to San Francisco like a half hour later. So I've got you booked on that too, but I'll kill it if you make the flight. I make my flight literally before they just started closing the door. Long, lo and behold, we're flying. We get a awareness by the pilot that there was a security breach. You have to land right away. What flight goes down? It was that United flight. I would have gone on if I missed my flight. So I made it. I'm not, I have no answer to say why I made my flight and I wasn't on that. And those poor people who were on it perished. I have no answers for that, but I feel there was some level of intervention. And then, and here I am. And then I'd say probably the third one is the book. Single Day of Peace. Uh, as you know, you were one of my early readers of the book to give me feedback when I was writing it. 
just about every time I got sat down to write the book, I'd say appear and say, hey, can you give me a little guidance, God, and help me write the right words, let me inspire people, let me write something that really means something to people. And uh, lo and behold, I did, and I got three offers to get it published, which I candidly thought I was going to have to self-publish. Not only do I get it published by a publisher, it goes on Amazon, it gets that number one uh, sales rating bestseller for a new release, and then most recently I won another award for literary excellence from a, a group called Pen, uh, Pencraft, and I won first place in the inspirational and Christian category. So, you know, I'm, I, candidly, I'm not a writer, right? I really am not. I'm a software professional, but I wrote a book, got divine guidance, and all these good things have happened with the book. So I think those are my experiences, and I'll just finish it to say, in my own heart of hearts, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a one that kind of always touts my spirituality, but there's no question God is in my life every day. I truly believe yeah. that. I'm thankful for the life I have every day. I give gratitude to the universe, to God, and uh, so I'd have to say I'm, I'm very thankful when God's in my life every day. Well, I didn't realize, I knew you were in the air and they got the news there. I did not realize until just now that, that you were supposed to be on the next plane. You remember Bill Malumi who worked with us. Yes, of course. He, he was also supposed to be on the plane out of Boston and he was supposed to have gone in, in on the other flight, flight, I think it was flight 11, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, and yes. so he was doing Monday through Thursday, Monday through, and then he shifted by a day. So he was stuck in LA where we lived at the time. And he called, he's like, Hey, Chad, you remember me? You know, can I come hang out and stay with you? And I was like, yeah. So he stayed with us for a couple days, wow. but he, he missed it by, it was the same flight, same time, same hour of the day. Wow. And, you know, and yeah. why was that? So, yeah, you probably didn't know that part of the story. No, I did not. Either. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys share that in common. Uh, he still connects with me on LinkedIn. And yeah, we, we, we stay in touch. Facebook. We connect with each other. As a matter of fact, he sent me a nice note when he saw my book get released. Uh, I bought the book. He gave me some nice feedback. It was, it was great to hear from him. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book. My favorite book of all time has been the greatest salesman in the world. Yes. And so when you read the 10 scrolls, and I just read it over and over and over, probably 50 to 100 times, right? More than I've ever seen my favorite movie, that's for sure. Yeah. And and the scrolls are just so powerful. And and when I read your book in the early draft stage, when yes. it was still in PDF format or, or Word, probably, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is the scrolls for the 20, you know, for 20, for 2021. Right. Um, tell us about how were you inspired to write the book and kind of where did it come from and tell us more. Yeah, yeah. So 30 years in the technology business, I've been very fortunate that I have done very well in various leadership roles and worked alongside lots of very successful people. And ultimately, through my investing and advi advisory work that I do, uh, I've gotten to work closely with professional athletes, billionaires, successful business people, successful people that focus on the world of charity, uh, successful people in all walks of life. And I observed that there is a significant difference between the people who are successful and happy and the people that are successful and not happy. And now most of the times when I say this, people say, well, wait a minute, when you say success, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, in financially independent, they've got all kinds of houses and assets. And well, how can they not be happy? Very often asked. Well, it's true. Many people that have a lot of financial success 
are not happy because they're not living by the right principles. So they're frustrated. Maybe they're arrogant. Their disposition isn't good. They're not thankful. They just got a new car, but they're thinking about the next car because this new one they got didn't make them happy. Right? They're not in the right frame of mind. And there were differences of what the people did that were happy. And I will call it, they were, they were more spiritual. And so I would document all these things over the years. You probably didn't know that, but I was always taking notes of all these things that I saw people do. And those that were successful and happy, I would talk to them about it. And, I, and some of them was interesting, the feedback I would get. I would say something like, hey, you know, I observe that you're very successful, obviously. Your career has been great. Yeah, you've had challenges in your life like we all do, but you've had a successful life. And you have a level of spirituality. Where'd that come from? Many times they would say, spiritual me? I'm not religious. I don't know if I believe in God. I'm certainly not, you know, I don't see myself as spiritual. And I'd point out to them, the way they handled a negotiation with a, with a client or the way they're part of a charity or the way they took care of a friend in need. And I'm like, you're doing these things. You meditate, okay? You, that's a spiritual activity. You do all these things. And they'd say to me, hmm, that's interesting. I guess you're right. I guess I have a level of spirituality in me. So it was documenting all these things and then wanting to share these things. And then there was another component to what was candidly bothering me about spirituality. I'm a Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I'm still a practicing Catholic, not as much in the formal sense of going to church every week. Although I do listen to mass every week on my iPhone. I go to the gym. I got my headset and I'm listening to mass rather than going to church. But I had an issue with how the church handled spirituality. Catholic religion, like most religions, all rules-based. You got to do this. You know, if you do that, you're not allowed to receive communion and you're not really considered married because you're divorced. You didn't get an home. All these things. And I felt the Catholic Church lost spirituality. So I wondered, what would it be like if a successful business person that, that was spiritually based went and became like a leader of the Catholic Church and tried to turn it around to make it more connecting with people? And I don't know if God's you know, intervention on me, I had this idea, well, why don't you write a book and incorporate these two things, all these principles you've learned, and this idea of a great business leader transitioning his life to become a Catholic priest, to head the Catholic Church, and maybe transition and transform it. And that's how a single day of peace came about. And, um, you know, I didn't know what chapter two was going to be until I was finished with chapter one. And I didn't know what chapter five was going to be until I finished chapter four. It's not like I had this whole thing mapped out. But it's amazing as I, you know, prayed and said, give me some guidance what I should write about. How do I get this story to be compelling? How do I make it some controversial? You know, you have to make it entertaining and inspiring. And that's kind of how it came out. And my goal, I always say, is that ultimately the goal of the book is to help make the world a better place by helping people find their better place. And if they read my book and they're inspired and they find a better place within themselves, their own spirit, the God inside them, they'll do more for others. Very naturally, when we feel good about ourselves, we help others. You'll help others and you'll make the world a better place. So that's how it all came about. Well, when the main character was preaching, I think it was on the pulpit, and he, and he said uh, something about, uh, it was, I think it was like his Jerry Maguire moment. Right. Where he all of a sudden says something and everyone could hear the record scratch. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. getting to that point, the buildup to that point was nice because it was not too long. It was long enough to build the character. And then finally you get to the right. And you're like, whoa. And then it all everything transpires from there. He gets on a national television show. Right. And it's it's it really is a, a ups and downs kind of a story. That, that makes you uh, 
kind of dig dink, deep and think. Um, I recently donated my Rolex for uh, on Saturday, in fact, wow. because I went to this farm where a guy named Jarvis Guthrie is building a 60-acre farm. He's an ex-prison uh, guy who shouldn't have gone in the first place. He made one bad decision, hmm. but he was there for two or three years. And he got to meet a lot of people who made more than one bad decision. Hmm. And so now his his life's work is all about rejuvenating the farm. And he wants, he's raising 25 grand to build the house. So I was like, look, there's a king on the back of this thing. I certainly am not the king. Right. It's time to shed that thing and give it up. But what I learned by wow. all of the people who are on the farm are that out of 100 people who get out of jail, 80 go back. Wow. The single difference between the 20 who stay out and the 80 who go back, spirituality, belief in God. Hmm. And it's wow. and I'm sure there's a rounding error in there somewhere, right? Maybe, maybe it's 19 out of 20, but it's pretty much 20 out of 20. And so, to your point about talking to people who, who have made it in the physical sense, but not in the spiritual sense, man, the void. My grandfather sent me a letter in eighth grade, and it said, it's a long handwritten letter. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself nine eight others right ten total right and he said in one of the sentences was if you don't have a relationship with god because i think there's difference from religion to relationship right then you will experience that void and he called it the void and it's hmm. so fun when i gave my rolex away because man that void just it floods in and there is no void right oh, now explaining wow. it to my wife of what i just did <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a little different yeah that opened up a little a little bit of a valve leakage but we covered for that <laughs> uh, well that's fantastic of you chad of what you did fantastic of you well done oh, well done that's a lot of fun so we won't we won't ruin the punchline but if people want to uh find the book they go to amazon type in a single day of peace and they'll find it exactly right uh just go to amazon or you can go to my website a single day of peace.com. As soon as you go to it, you'll see, you know, order here, click on it, takes you right to the Amazon place and you can order either on audible. Uh, it's a now on audible. It's been selling well. So the publisher put it on audible, or if you still like to read the book, you can, uh, you can get, I'll reach over here and get an example of the hard copy. You can get the, the hard copy, um, whatever you prefer. I tend to listen to all my books these days and, uh, versus, versus reading just because time, but uh, yeah, they can get it from Amazon. Amazon would be great. Well, I remember when we first worked together, and we worked together at two different companies where I was an employee at the company. Yeah. And now Steve's on my board of direct uh, board of advisors, and um, I remember when I first started working with you, people told me, and not just one, but they said, "Oh, you get to work with Steve. He's going to help you make a lot of money." <laughs> so that was kind of the, you know, hey, the physical world stuff. Yeah. I think as we both go into the, you know, second round of nine holes and we, we make the turn, hopefully what they'll say uh, now is, oh, yeah, if you get to work with Steve, 
he'll help you with your spirituality and your ability to fill the fill the void. Well so said. I've certainly experienced well that. Well said. I, I hope that's the case. I drink a nice glass of scotch with Steve. Back that's in right. The day. I remember and, when uh, Chad was younger. I said, "Listen, we're going to have a cocktail. You close the deal, and we're going to drink scotch." Because I don't drink scotch. Well, I got something good for you to drink. So maybe that wasn't such a good thing that I influenced you on. But we had quite a few yeah, together. I have fatty liver now as yeah. a result of that. But that's right. We're 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 off the booze now, so it's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. What an amazing conversation, Steve. I. I've always known your story, but I would encourage you, look, I've worked with Steve for a long time. And some of the stories that I just heard, I heard for the first time. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking to people that you're getting to know in the world, just ask the three basic questions. What was your passion when you were five or six? What's the toughest thing you ever faced in your life? And finally, what role does faith play in your journey? If mm -hmm. you do that, the, the things that come back in a 10 minute conversation will connect you at a soul-to-soul -soul level, and you'll have a much deeper appreciation of who the person is sitting across the table from you. So I wished I'd learned that earlier. Hopefully, you're catching this at a younger age, and you're able to take that for what it's worth. So thanks, everybody, for joining another Living a Better Story podcast. Steve D'Angelo, check out his book, A Single Day of Peace on Amazon. And uh, Steve, really great to see you again. Awesome. Thanks, man. Chad, greatly appreciate it. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. God's peace. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.